Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm basically thinking uh, we don't have a quarterback right now. Like, I might be our, you know, this is a pretty low percentage kit for for But you might be the best chance. And I'm thinking, yeah, I might, you know, down by one, um, you know, just everything that you talked about situationally. uh, And I'm thinking, all right, I might have to just, you know, put one out there. Let's party. Let's see if we can knock this thing through. And, um, you know, Lamar came out and saved the day, but... I, I, I remember saying to Harbs right there on the sideline, Harbs, we don't have a quarterback. I I might need to hit, I might need to hit this. And he kind of turns to Randy, and Randy, who's going to be my biggest advocate at all times, he does one of these to Harbs. He just goes, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Excellent conversation between Peter King and Justin Tucker, the hero on Monday night with the 55-yarder, but may have had to try a longer one if Trace McSorley wasn't able to be replaced by Lamar Jackson, who obviously won the game with first the 40-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown and then ultimately the drive that set up the field goal. Peter King joins us now along with Chris Sims, hour number two of this Wednesday edition of PFT Live, and you can check out that entire conversation with Peter and Justin Tucker on the debut of the Peter King podcast tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock, also anywhere where you can find your podcast. With that, we say good morning to Peter King. Peter, how are you, buddy? Good morning, Mike. Hi, Chris. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Good to see you. Hey, Peter, we spent a full hour talking about the game of the year, arguably the most exciting game since Rams-Chiefs in November of 2018. What what stands out to you the most after having 24 hours plus to process what we saw Monday night? You know, Trace McSorley, quite honestly, really stood out to me because imagine your season is on the line and all you can do is to come in and try to figure out anything to get this team going. You're 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 down 35-34. And you've got to do anything possible. You know, the Marquise Brown drop was huge for them. You may not have even needed this drama at the end if Marquise Brown, you know, uh, doing his best Deontay Johnson doesn't drop that ball. But to me, what really fascinated me is what was going on on the sidelines. You know, when uh, Trace McSorley is laying there, and when he's laying there, you've got Willie Sneed, who is going up and down the ball, uh, up and down the sideline, saying, "Give me a ball, give me a ball," because he's got to take some snaps. He's the emergency quarterback, and he figures he's going in there. And so, I mean, there was it was organized chaos. You've got you've got Justin Tucker saying to Harbs, "I I might have to go in and hit this to to John Harbaugh." 
And then you've got Willie Sneed quickly taking some snaps. And then out of the tunnel, somebody says, hey, Lamar's coming. And Lamar Jackson is coming out of the tunnel. And just kind of the chaos of it all and the fun of it all. Because you know what, Mike? Lamar Jackson was not coming out of the locker room if, if, if McSorley is not laying there on the ground. Chris, I was waiting for you to respond. It was so smooth until you didn't respond. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I, you asked him a question. I didn't know. Usually, like, that's, I, the, that's I should have said, rhythm that Chris. Have, it's been a while since we've done the three-man weave. That's kind of how it goes. He talks, you respond, I pick it up, we go from there. But it's been a while. We all get a little bit of a break here. But, Peter, that Monday night game, I, 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 I think that moment when you see Lamar Jackson coming out, of the locker room and back onto the field. And then what he does with it, the fact that he throws it, because I would have sworn this guy's going to run the ball. It's just five yards. He can get five yes. yards rolling yes. out of bed and extend no the drive question. to yep. throw it. And then to throw it to, of all people, Mr. Dropsy on the Baltimore Ravens, Marquise Brown, and he catches it and he scores a touchdown. That took what was a, a, a pretty damn good Monday night game yeah. and just thrust it into the Pantheon. Chris, what do you think? Well, there? okay. Chris, Sorry. What do you think? I didn't know. You just asked him. I thought maybe you'd come back <laughs> with another right. question. So, I, but I mean, first off, off of what Peter said. All right. First, I, I kind of said this yesterday. I mean, if McSorley just kind of limps himself off the sideline in a hurry, the moment never happens, right? That's to me the amazing thing. Like to Peter said, the fact that he laid there and did that, that gave Lamar Jackson the time to run out of the locker room and get in there for the fourth down. That's amazing. Here's one little football aspect that I just think is amazing about that play itself. Fourth down. You know, this is where, like, division rivals know each other. The, the Cleveland Browns bring an all-out blitz. They, they're, bringing, they're bringing the house, basically. It's, there's no safety in the middle of the field. It's just four one-on-ones across the field. But the Ravens must have had a good feel for that blitz to be coming. And they figured out how to pick it up and also get their back out into the flat, right? You saw J.K. Dobbins there. He was one of those guys where you're like, just throw it to him. It's going to be a first down. But within that, okay, Olivier Vernon, who they're expecting, hey, you'll be able to blitz because J.K. Dobbins is going to have to pick up some other blitz, right? He's gonna have to, so you'll be able to go too. He has to run and cover J.K. Dobbins. They get the back out of the backfield. What is that? What happens? Olivier Vernon runs into the guy that's covering Hollywood Brown. And I just found that to be a very interesting X and O development there of a team that kind of had like a feel for this is what you're going to do. And, and then, of course, made the play and it kind of backfired on the Browns and everything like that to have a defensive end in the flat covering a running back. And you saw what happened. Okay, Mike. No, Mike, if I can, if I can, <laughs> if I can just intercede one thing about to me, what was let's let's lay this layer on top of it, okay? And that is the only thing that's at stake here is Baltimore's season. Yeah, you know, that's if it. they lose this game, there's a very good chance they're not making the playoffs. Okay, so if they lose this game, just think about it. You know, they go to seven and six and they've got, even if they, you know, win them all down the stretch, which they very well, well may do, even if they win them all, 10 and six guarantees nothing. And it's like what Justin Tucker said, every game for us right now, everyone is a playoff game. And, and again, listen, I, I understand that, that Lamar Jackson probably was, because somebody who saw him in the locker room you know, during his exile in there said that he was up on his tiptoes trying to hasten the, uh, uh, you know, the cramps to get out of there. And, and, and they, they had already pumped so much solution into him that they were trying to hurry it up. And, and look, who knows what would have happened on fourth and five if Trace McSorley just pops up and he gets up there and you're going to go for it. Either that or, or how about this? You know, 62-yard field goal try. Remember what you just saw Justin Tucker saying, hey, I might have to hit this. Now, I, I don't know. If you're John Harbaugh, do you trust Trace McSorley to convert fourth and five? 
more than you trust your kicker to make a 62-yard field goal with an 18-mile-an-hour crosswind? And that, to me, is a great question. Because, look, we all saw the 55-yard field goal go right through. But if you watch that field goal closely, and Chris, if you go on to NFL Game Pass and you look at the coach's tape, I want you to look at the action of that kick late in the kick. And you know right. what you're going to see? It starts off here yeah. on the right-hand side. Right. And goes over here right at the end. Right. So who's to say that a 62-yard field goal, even if he has it, even he had plenty of foot yeah. on the 55-yard field goal. But if it's a 62-yard field goal, it could have gone wide. So it's just, a, I mean, this is one of these things that quite honestly, you could do a two-hour show on and discuss all of these little things and what could have happened. But that's what made that such a fascinating thing, Mike. And the fact that the Ravens now have that mentality where their backs are against the wall and they have to win every week. Every week is a playoff game. In a weird sort of way, that may help them win a playoff game. That was the narrative going into the season. Hey, they're going to have another great regular season. Yeah. Can they win in January? Lamar Jackson can't win a playoff game. It was becoming a, a Barry Bonds-type narrative that when they get to the games that matter, Lamar can't get it done. When you're churning through these games, Chris, in December, that you have to win, you have to win, you have to win, by the time you get to the playoffs, it's just another week. There's no mystique about it because you've been in this mode for a month now. Yeah, you're in the desperation mode. There's, there's nothing, you know. There's, there's, it's, it's no other. There's no other way you can play or survive. So you've found a way to like, you know, have your intensity and level of focus in, in, in playoff, you know, shape here through a number of weeks to where it gets to the playoffs and maybe one team is like, whoa, wait, things are a little different this week and getting adjusted. And the other team rolls into town and is like, oh, this big playoffs, so what? You know, there's a few more media guys here. We've been in the playoffs for six weeks. You know, we saw it last year. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, that's that's what happened with them, right? I mean, it's the same kind of same kind of thing. You know, yeah, they were a nine and seven football team. They had to be in playoff mode throughout December and that allowed them to Oh, catch the Baltimore Ravens who have taken a few weeks off and we've been in barroom brawls, you know, at the end of the regular season and won a playoff game and a barroom brawl against the Patriots. And now here's the Ravens like, well, we got to get used to things again. And bam, 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 you're smacked in the mouth. And all of a sudden you're losing a divisional playoff game. You're supposed to be winning. The other X factor in here, Chris, obviously, is that, you know, the Ravens know what their past has been, their very recent past. You know, they had home field advantage over the Chargers in 2018, and they spit the bit, and particularly Lamar Jackson in that game. Then last season, they spit the bit again, and uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't play well again in a huge playoff game, this time when they're the number one seed uh, to Tennessee. So they understand that, you know, the the historical clock is ticking and it's against them right now. So every one of the games that they play like they played on Monday night, in my opinion, is a booster shot for Lamar Jackson in his, uh, I think, and I'm not saying that mentally it weighs on him. What do I know? I'm not in his body. I don't know. But from the outside, Lamar Jackson's got to know that Hey, listen, his record in big games at the end of the at a lot of these games is not the greatest. So that is obviously a check mark on the plus side for him. And, you know, to get back to something that Chris and I were discussing last hour, and I was resisting just because I felt like resisting Chris, the idea that the Bills or the Steelers, for that matter, parked at the number two seed, contemplating what to do week 17, knowing that there's a damn good chance the Ravens are the team coming to town in the wild card round. Chris, I have to admit, I'm softening my stance on this. Maybe there is value in being the three seed instead of the number two seed if the Ravens continue this head of steam. Because I don't think the Steelers want him again. 
with a full complement of players, Definitely including not. Lamar Jackson. Right. And I don't think the Bills want to mess with him either, Chris. I, I mean, it'd be the last team I'd want to see coming to town, you know, a, a uh, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, pissed off Baltimore Ravens team that's been in playoff mode and bully mode for the last five weeks, you know, and then deal with that running game and Lamar Jackson and everything he can do. And then, you know, again, you know, the other thing we're, we're forgetting here, the Ravens defense, it's not healthy. It's just kind of starting to get some guys back to where they've been very average. I mean, they haven't even been good the last five weeks on defense, not average. They have not been good. I mean, Baker Mayfield and company moved the ball and will at will on them. I mean, uh, so I, I mean, you're right, Mike. I mean, that that to me is going to be part of this and how McDermott or whoever is Mike Tomlin in that situation, the psychology of it, you know, the message you want to send to your team. And then, OK, the reality of actually who we want to play that wild card round. Uh, I think it's something that's certainly going to be worth debating when you get to that time, whoever that is, the Bills or the Steelers. You know, the other part is, you know, obviously, if you're the three seed, you're going to get one home game, and that's probably it in the playoffs. And look, I don't think home field means very much this year, but it means something. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, would at least consider, do we want to go to Buffalo again? I mean, do we want to set it up right. so that in the in the divisional round, you know, on uh, uh, January 16th or 17th, do we want to set it up so that we're going back to Orchard Park? And again, no fans, but still, there's something about being on the road in that game that is not good, I think, at that, at that time of the playoffs. And look, there's no guarantee that the Ravens are going to be the seventh seed. They're just, you know, it's it's such a weird year because, look, if the Ravens are 11-5, and five, I think they're going to be better than the seventh seed. And we'll see what happens. But I think if you look at the, 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 the way this is going to fall, it looks like right now that Buffalo and Pittsburgh could well be fighting for that, uh, you know, for that two seed. And if they are, there are a lot more factors at stake than just who gets the home game. Well, and Peter, the, the reason I pushed back on Chris last hour, the idea that it's always better to be at home, even if there isn't a home field advantage, you don't want to have to travel. But uh, there is something to be said for avoiding an opponent who is ultra red hot, if you can, if there's a way to pull it off, but there may not be a way to engineer it. And the best seed, of course, is the top seed. Although, Peter, as you mentioned last year, the Ravens were the top seed. It didn't work out. Lamar Jackson was the MVP last year. And like every MVP since Kurt Warner in 1999, the regular season MVP doesn't win the Super Bowl uh, because they got ushered out of the playoffs by the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round. This year, the MVP odds are down to... Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers points bet currently has Patrick Mahomes at minus 225. That's down slightly from what it was just a day ago. Aaron Rodgers plus 170. It's a two-man race. Peter, who between those two do you have the most faith in right now? You know, look, if I had to if I had to pick one right now, I'd probably pick Rodgers. But there is an absolute hair between the two of them, and right. that is it. Yeah. It depends on the last three weeks. That's one of the reasons why I say all the time, look, we can say he was ahead right now, but if just because I say Aaron Rodgers is a nip, just a, a centimeter ahead right now in my mind, I, I don't think that really means very much because there's three games left to play. And if Mahomes, if Mahomes goes into New Orleans and blows out New Orleans, then all of a sudden, again, almost for about the fifth time this year, you change your mind about who's at the top. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, Peter. I, I would give the, I mean, I would give the edge to Aaron Rodgers right now as well. Uh, I, I mean, Mahomes is amazing, you know, but I guess if you made me bet who I think's going to win, I, you know, I think the voters are going to vote for Mahomes, but that would not be where my vote's going to go. It, it's not. For what Rodgers is doing for that football team, you know, 
hey, yeah, it's a solid defense, all right? Aaron Jones was hurt for a number of games this year. He's just getting back in the swing. We had a number of games where we were like, who, who you know, again, who the hell's playing receiver for Green Bay? Like, who, who, who is this guy? Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, just the fact that everything really runs through Rodgers uh, and the fact that he doesn't have a Tyree Kill and a Kelsey and a Sammy Watkins and a guy that like Andy Reid around him, I would give him the advantage. But Peter's right. I mean, yeah, Mahomes on the 425 national stage this week, if he goes and tears up the Saints, that's going to change a lot of people's opinions. I will say this. I think Rodgers has an easier path here right now because of the defenses he has to play. Mahomes, you know, dealing with the Saints this week, dealing with he's going to have to deal with the Chargers maybe the last week of the year, and even the Falcons who we've seen, those are two defensive schemes too that have given Mahomes issues to where it could lead to some underwhelming numbers. I don't know. Either way, I mean, it's, it's awesome versus awesome. It's, it's just it's fun to watch, and it's no two guys I'd rather <laughs> talk about. Yeah. And even those two have clearly separated from the pack. There was one guy that we talked about earlier this week, and apparently the betters out there have taken notice either with our influence or on their own because Derrick Henry, the Titans running back, has fallen from plus 10,000, meaning you bet 100, you win 10,000, down to plus 6,600. People are betting on Derrick Henry and changing the odds dramatically because, Peter, Derrick Henry's got 1,532 rushing yards after 215 on Sunday against the Jaguars, averaging 191 a week, which is a tall, tall order, and there's one guy in the NFL who can do it, and his name is Derrick Henry. He could set the single-season rushing record. And if he does that, how does he not get votes for MVP? Because the MVP is a weird chameleon of an award. (laughs) Um, I remember back, I think it was 2012, when Adrian Peterson won it. And I think he won it because of some emotion. Because remember, the end of the previous year, he's laying there with an ACL tear and he comes back and he is better than ever. He says, I'm going to be better than ever. And he wins the rushing title. And I think it was in part an emotional thing for this incredible accomplishment for Adrian Peterson. Now, having said that, to me, and look, if, if Derrick Henry does that, then that throws a major monkey wrench into the situation but i mean look if there's a lot of things you could say if so and so averages whatever if mahomes averages 425 passing yards a game the rest of the way then he's going to do so ever i i I don't even know what it is but what i'm saying is that i think in terms of value the only way that derrick henry with a team that has more losses than either of the other two contenders and one of them by far, I think it's going to be hard. Plus, you know, look, for half of this season, if you gave somebody an MVP vote in Tennessee, probably six or seven games, you would have given it probably to Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, look, I, I and, and it could be Derrick Henry. Who knows? Three weeks from now, I might be voting for Derrick Henry. But as of now, he would not be. Uh, in in the same uh, discussion as those other two, Mike. Uh, I mean, it, he, there's a chance he gets can get to 2,000. We talked a little yesterday. The defenses he's playing are crapola as far as the run is concerned. <laughs> it's crapola. You got the Lions and then the Texans. I mean, you saw the Texans last week. They made the Bears look like they were the greatest show on turf. All right. He, if they're still playing for something that week, he might run for 400 yards in that game. I mean, I'm joking, but with the defenses he has up, up in front of him, I think he can make a play for it. But Mike, ultimately, I think like something you've said really through the last four or five weeks about this race, you know, if they were flirting with the number one seed, I think then it'd be legitimate, like where you'd really go. Okay. But you know, we hold the quarterbacks to that type of standard. And, okay, well, you know, the, the offense, the team runs through Derrick Henry there in, in Nashville with the Tennessee Titans. That's great. But I, I think to Peter's point, you know, they have as many losses as the Packers and Chiefs combined. And that, I think, ultimately holds them back. The question I pose for you guys, all right, just because I think we're done a little 
Does he automatically win Offensive Player of the Year if he gets close to 2,000 in a year like this with some of the guys like with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and all these touchdowns and what they're doing? Does he automatically get that if he doesn't you know, get the MVP? Peter, isn't that the compromise vote? Isn't that how it goes? If one, If there's a quarterback who's MVP, then the guy who's done the impressive statistical thing, 2,000 rushing yards, he becomes the Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've always done it that I'm going to pick the guy who had the best offensive season, okay? Look, if Derrick Henry has 2,100 yard rushing yards, I'm probably going to vote for Derrick Henry. If, you know, pick a receiver, Justin Jefferson has, you know, whatever, 1,800 yards and, and 16 touchdowns, well, I'm probably going to vote for him. But I do think that that is, speaking of the Chameleon Award, that is the one where from year to year you have no idea how voters vote. And I always try to say, what offensive player had the best season? Right. You know, regardless, if, if, it's, some, if it's some tackle who gives up zero sacks, has zero penalties, uh, and, and, you know, he's proclaimed as, you know, uh, the greatest since Munoz, I'd consider voting for him. But usually it's the guy who has the starriest season with numbers. What? what I'm just laying out scenarios here because I think it's very possible. All right. With Derrick Henry. I mean, I, Peter, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you're right. What if Derrick Henry gets to like 1950, right? Somewhere 1900. Unbelievable season. I mean, it just you, you, it pops at you. But what if Travis Kelsey leads the NFL in receiving yards and everything like that? We've never seen a tight end do that. I mean, that to me. Right. And then what if Tyree Kill, who's, I think who's leading the NFL in touchdown receptions, has another few to add on here? The last, like, to me, that's where it could be actually one of the more intriguing offensive player of the year conversations here, the way it's setting up with some of these guys. I think Travis Kelsey, that's a fantastic point. If he does something that's never been done. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, we'd have to, I, I would have to also look at, at, at every number, not just one number, but if he does something that's never been done, that would weigh heavily on my vote. There's been no tight end that's ever led the league in receiving yards. Yeah. There's been no tight end that's ever been offensive player of the year. There's been two receivers. Jerry Rice won it twice and Michael Thomas last year, all of the other years, it's been a quarterback or a running back. Who should be the favorite right now for most receiving yards? We've got Kelsey at 1250, DK Metcalf 1180, Stephon Diggs 1167, Tyree Kill 1158, DeAndre Hopkins 1155. They are bunched together. Travis Kelsey is the favorite at plus 225. Who do you think gets it? I think Kelsey gets it because I think that, first of all, um, Andy Reid knows that I, I, and Kelsey's probably not going to say this means a lot to him. This means a lot to him. Andy Reid knows that. And I think Andy Reid will do a lot to try to make this happen. And, and look, especially if Kansas City is going to win the one seed, if Kansas City does. And look, you have to say that if they go to New Orleans this weekend and, and win that game, you know, they're pretty, they're not a lock, but they're very, very close to winning the one seed. So if they get there, the, a lot of people might say, well, take your veterans in week 17 and give them a light workload. I don't know that Andy Reid is going to do that. Uh, he might do it with some, especially some guys who really need the rest. <laughs> but if there's nothing physically wrong with Travis Kelsey, yeah. other than the normal bumps and bruises, I think he tries to help Travis Kelsey because look, put yourself in the place of a Kansas City offensive player. And look, they are a great all-for-one, one-for-all team. But in reality, isn't this all-for-one, one-for-Mahomes? I mean, you know, everything is a headline about Patrick Mahomes. And don't you think that it would be a great thing for Travis Kelsey if, if he does, or Tyreek Hill, quite honestly, to win Offensive Player of the Year, that would be the sort of spreading of the wealth that, in my opinion, kind of reading Andy Reid, I think that's how he would feel.
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, I mean, that that's, you know, Tyree Kill, that's the other one we, we can't leave out of this conversation. You know, the touchdowns, the big plays, the things he does for that. Yeah, it might not be 140 receptions and those type of things. But when he touches the ball, it changes the football game. And when he touches the ball, it's like a touchdown every third time he does it. So it's just it's amazing from that aspect. I mean, from the receiving yards thing, you know, I don't know who wins, but I'm going with one of the guys in Kansas City. All right. It's one of those two freak shows. I know that. Because when you got when you're a freak show at tight end and a freak show at receiver, and then you got maybe one of the greatest freak shows ever throwing you the football, I, my money is on one of those two guys, and I don't know who that'll be. I don't. Uh, both are phenomenal, but like you know, DK Metcalf that conversation, you know, they got they played too many good defenses down the stretch here for me to jump into that. They got Washington, the 49ers, the Rams again. I would have a hard time thinking he goes off. You know, Stefan Diggs is awesome as he's in. He's got the Patriots and Dolphins on the horizon. I don't think he goes off on that. So that's why I go, like, I, I'm with you, Peter. I think it's the Kansas City guys. It's one of those two uh, because they're both special and doing things that you just don't see in a, an every season type basis. And, Chris, just so we're clear on this, when you call those guys freak shows, you mean it in a respectful oh, way. Oh, the most respectful way you can. When I'm talking freak <laughs> shows, I mean you are awesome, and I wish I could be a freak show like you. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take a break. The NFL put in writing yesterday what we already knew about the possibility of postseason bubbles, voluntary or mandatory. We'll try to make sense of it next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. In a memo sent all uh, to all teams yesterday by the NFL, two things that we knew were codified. Number one, no mandatory postseason bubbles. It's not something the NFL wants to negotiate with the union because the NFL doesn't want to make a concession. Number two, voluntary bubbles are permitted uh, with, with the caveat that it has to be players who are not living alone. Presumably, if you're living alone, you can't get in, although good luck policing whether or not someone has roommates or family members. But, you know, I'm not surprised by this, Peter, because I think what's going to happen when it's time for the teams to lock into playoff mode, the teams that are most serious about getting to the Super Bowl are going to voluntarily go into a bubble because their team leaders are going to put the squeeze on the other players to do it. Right. You saw that uh, you saw that kind of friendly pressure. Uh, in the summer in New Orleans, they basically bought out the Lowe's Hotel uh, right near the French Quarter in New Orleans. And everybody, like 135 people of the 170 approximately, uh, you know, it, it, who were the tier one and two employees and the players, they chose to stay in the hotel. Now, I think, Mike, one of the bigger things that have, that's happened here. You would have had the players, and I think the players' union on the side of this, if, and a big if, if there were a lot of huge problems during the season. 
there really haven't been a lot of huge problems during the season. And in addition, and I wrote about this on Monday in my column, the contact tracing program in the NFL is has got to be the envy of every other business in the United States. The amount of money the NFL is spending on some of the best epidemiologists in the country to contact trace, and I followed one player getting, you know, testing positive for the coronavirus, and then how the team found the one of the other close contacts on his team that also who also tested positive four days later. And the NFL has done a good job of finding these people, isolating these people, keeping them alone for five days. And then if they don't test positive at the end of that, they go back in the team. This guy tested positive on the fourth day after exposure to the guy, the original uh, guy who tested positive. That is what the NFL can do because of the humongous amount of money they're spending. So I think players are saying, we don't need a bubble. We've already got all of these other things that we're doing that basically act as a bubble. It's It's been amazing what the NFL has done. I mean, to everything, Peter, you just said, the protocols they've put in place, the fact that we've gotten this far with, like you've said, very few hiccups is all amazing. But man, but man, I don't know. I don't think I could risk it. If I was, you know, Patrick Mahomes and company, I'm chasing a legacy, Drew Brees and company, let me solidify myself as a, you know, top five, top 10 quarterback of all time if I can get to a Super Bowl. I mean, you're right, Peter. We haven't seen a lot of teams, you know, for the most part, it's been successful. But, you know, we do have like, ooh, I don't know, the New England Patriots, what would their year be look, look like if Cam Newton had not got COVID? I bet you they'd be a lot more in this playoff conversation right now. So, man, do you want to risk that? That, to me, is just the big thing. We can see, we see that you can do everything right, and it still can get, you know, grab a, grab a part of your football team that way. And I, I just – I would think more times than not some of the big leaders in the locker room are going to try to edge or nudge their team, you know, to go this direction because of some of those reasons. The other side of the coin is this, and this is a concept mentioned in the memo that was sent yesterday – the hotel experience still entails risk. You have to keep the guys separate. One of the things Mahomes told me after the win on Sunday over the Dolphins, they were back in the same hotel they stayed in prior to the Super Bowl. He stayed in the same room he stayed in prior to the Super Bowl. It brought back a lot of memories, but the difference is you can't hang out. You can't congregate. You can't be around the guys. And as you get into an extended stretch week after week, day after day, in this voluntary bubble, can you ensure that there's enough distance at all times among the players in order to keep well, the virus from getting into the bubble and screwing everything up that way? Well, why? Why do you have to do that, Mike? Why? Like, I mean, if they're in the freaking bubble, they can't like hang out with each other in the bubble. That that to me doesn't make sense. You know, that got to stay apart. You still got to stay apart because if one got because of the donut holes in the testing and the incubation period, if one guy ends up getting it somehow, some way, you don't want him to spread it to the rest of the guys Man. because they can't detect it until it's too late. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. One quick point before we take a break. We have a great draft coming up. It's going to take some time, but let's hit on this. I'm told the 17 game season is coming next year. It's never in question. It's never a doubt. It's a done deal. But, Peter, there's this notion that the league may not adopt it. It makes no sense to me on the surface. Uh, do you make any sense of why the league is being coy about something that we were led to believe is a done deal? Mike, I think you have raised the, the most interesting scenario in all of this, which is, in essence, you know, especially because the salary cap potentially could go down and could go down significantly in 2021 make the players want to have the 17th game if only because it's going to immediately inject life and more money into the salary cap that wasn't there because there will be uh, you know essentially 117th more television revenue theoretically 
in 2021 and beyond if you add the 17th game. That's why I think, I keep reading, I said, they could vote to, to have the 17th game in any of the next three years. Why in the world would they not want it? They all want more money, especially because the cap could be deflated. The, the, the cap could bottom out in 2021. That's why I think that regardless, even whatever the vote is today, Mike, regardless of that, I still think you're going to see 17 games in 2021. I would be shocked. It just, it's this conversation has been percolating out there for the last two or three years, Mike. I mean, we've talked about it a number of, a number of times and uh, it just seems like the league is going that way. There's no doubt. There's too much money to be made. And I, I think that, you know, as hard a stance as we saw some of the players last year, right? Mike, remember like my dad made that comment about, I think the players are go for it. And they were all like, oh, that's crazy. What the hell is Phil talking about? We've already seen that they've kind of turned the corner and I think are open to that idea a little bit here. So I, I, I would think that's coming. If it doesn't come next year, it's the year after, but it's coming very soon. The reporting that is connected to the league's supposed hesitation is along the lines of, well, the pandemic has thrown everything off. Well, why? That's all the more reason to want to rebuild the coffers. And they pulled off a 17-week season amid the pandemic by next year. The belief is the pandemic will be over. Why would you not want to add the extra week? But as it relates to this notion that the players adopted it reluctantly in March during the pandemic, if there's a way to dangle it as an uncertainty and make them want it. They want to eat their vegetables, right? The vegetables taste better when they want to eat them. I think there's a psychological component, and I think it's also tied up in this annual negotiation of what the salary cap is going to be. But to the extent that they can sell this as a good thing to the players and, and lay the foundation that there won't be constant complaining Week after week, game after game next year, why do we have to play 17 games? That's the value in being coy about it now. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a draft of the most uh, significant disappointments for the 2020 season. This can be as broad as we want it to be. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right now. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the Saints and, and how Sean Payne was able to have sex, success with Bridgewater and Taysom. <laughs> Doug Peterson with the the Kramer reaction to the slip up on the question Whoa. from the reporter. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, today's draft, without further ado, this year's biggest disappointments. We can go any direction we want, just like we can in any draft that we do. We'll go Peter, Sims, then me. Peter, you get the first pick. My biggest disappointment is Cam Newton. Um, in 2015, Cam Newton had three games in which he threw five touchdown passes. In 2020, Cam Newton has played 12 games for the Patriots. He's thrown five touchdown passes. And look, I know he's coming off injury. I know it's a new system. I know blah, 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 blah. Cam Newton is the most disappointing single aspect of football this year. That's harsh. I don't know if I'm totally going to say that, but you're, I mean, they were on my list. I mean, we but why? were, why tell me why? Well, five touchdown passes for Cam Newton. I, I understand in 12 that games. You're right. I mean, listen, he also had that, you know, the COVID-19 thing too, that I think has got to be, you know, talked about as part of that, you know, no off season. Hey, it's certainly it's, it's up there. I just don't know if I'm going to say it's the most disappointing thing for a team that, you know, was in the playoff conversation just uh, a week ago. But I understand you. I was certainly expecting more there. And like I said, I, that probably would have came up in my draft too. So I'm not disagreeing with you there. Definitely not. Um, you know what I think is the most disappointing thing of the season for me? Joe Burrow getting hurt. I think that's the, the, the number one whammy to me. More than anything I think about. I just go, damn, superstar. Like everything he brings to the table for a Bengals franchi franchise that we just we know needs a little Jolton Joe in its life. All right. And Jolton Joe had me actually intrigued to watch the Bengals on a weekly basis and the way he handles himself in press conference and just how damn good of a player he is. And I think it, it hurts me because it might go into next year, too. And that's where I, I look at that. And I'm very disappointed.
Yeah, more than just a normal ACL tear, and it could put in jeopardy his availability for 2021. For me, it's Carson Wentz, without question. We've yet to see a quarterback who was drafted so high, played well enough to be in the MVP conversation early in his career, get a huge second contract, and then have it all fall apart. Just a year after, they were 5-7, and seven, and they had nothing around Carson Wentz, and he led them to the playoffs. It's confounding. It's inexplicable. And it's disappointing. And it is, for me, the biggest disappointment of the year. And the question now becomes, where does Carson Wentz and where do the Eagles go from here in 2021? One of the big stories of the offseason. All right, on to round two. Uh, I will pick the Houston Texans in their entirety. Um, You know, from Bill O'Brien going 0-4 and getting whacked to, uh, you know, the entire controversy over who runs this team. Uh, You know, Cal McNair has taken over for his dad and had a very, very lax hand. Uh, You know, the Jack Easterby controversy. It's just, it's a mess. It's mayhem. And where it could impact the future, even though, in my opinion, if I were Eric Bieniemy and I had my choice of four jobs this offseason, I would pick the Houston Texans because... They got the one thing that everybody strives to get, and that's the quarterback. We'll figure everything else out. But for right now, the most disappointing uh, single team, in my opinion, this year is the Houston Texans. Yeah, I I hear you there, Peter. Um, I'm going to see your Texans football team and raise you the team just north of them, the Dallas Cowboys. Are you sure? They're as dysfunctional as my da- the Dallas Cowboys are. Uh, I think there's been more organizational issues, to your point, you know, with the, the the Houston Texans. But, man, the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, America's team, pah, America's disaster this year. What? I mean, from everything. I mean, first off, Dak Prescott and that whole debacle, the, the contract breaks his, you know, breaks his ankle. Now that. So that was disappointing. Mike McCarthy supposed to, you know, rejuvenate the Cowboys football team. That hasn't done anything. I mean, hiring the wrong defensive coordinator for the players you have on the football field, let alone he gets Tabasco in his eye during a press conference this year. I mean, it's just been a disaster there. So uh, that to me has been one of the most disappointing things uh, of the 2020 season. You know, the next one for me, and and I'm going to go ahead and put both guys down because I can't pick one or the other, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. Mm. You know, Brady wanted Antonio Brown so badly, he finally got him. When you look at the numbers, Antonio Brown really hasn't done much. And coming out of the bye week, what fascinated me is his playing time plummeted. That is the result of a strategic and conscious decision made by the coaching staff because they had time to sit down and decide what they were going to do. And what they did coming out of the bye is they used Antonio Brown a lot less than they had. So that connection together has been a disappointment. There are aspects of Tom Brady's game that have been disappointing, but this idea that there was going to be this great reunion and they were going to reach new heights, he still doesn't have a touchdown through five games with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, we got to rocket through round three. Peter, what do you got? You know, I was going to pick the New York Jets because they're 0-13 and they provide comic relief almost every week. But I think the other thing I would have to do is I'd have to pick the Atlanta Falcons. And I'd like to identify a single person, but I think this is a collective achievement award. You know, from the whacking of Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn at the beginning of the year, Raheem Morris has given them some life. But it's absurd for the Atlanta Falcons to be four and nine. Uh, agreed. My, that was going to be my next pick, uh, Peter. So I'm I'm with you there. I was almost we'll going to invent one on the fly. Then. I know. Well, I was going to almost and put them and the Jets together, right? Because they had that end of the year last year where we we're all like, "Whoa, watch out for these teams," you know, next year. And yeah, it's been crapola. So yes, but I'll go with this. I got one more. The 49ers, their bad luck, their health, whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean. That's a disappointment. A team that was in the Super Bowl, very young and talented. Not that I expected, but just it's just a shame that we didn't ever get to see them close to 100% to see if they could defend their NFC title and make a run and do something special. It's been a disaster, whether it's been injuries or COVID-19 for them all year. So the 49ers' bad luck is certainly a disappointment for me. I'll stay in California, slide down to L.A. and say the Chargers coaching, the entire coaching staff. And I'm sure some guys have done well. Whoever has gotten through to Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback, has done great. But all in all, it's a total failure of the coaching staff 
too many bad decisions, special teams gaffes. It seems like every week yeah. someone on the coaching staff finds a way to screw things up right. and they're going to get everybody fired because they've got a franchise quarterback that makes their job incredibly attractive in 2021. Let's take a break. When we return, something we didn't get to earlier, coach of the year odds, one of the toughest propositions to handicap going into the postseason awards. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. There are the odds from points bet coach of the year. Mike Tomlin, plus 175. I don't know that he's the favorite right now, guys. When you look at those odds, the one that I would bet on without question, Kevin Stefanski at plus 900. Give me 900 for my $100 bet. That's who I'd vote for. That's who deserves it. No offseason program. A team that's been in turmoil. They were 4-44, and for crying out loud, from 2015 through 2017. He has turned that team around a year after the Freddie Kitchens debacle. Uh, Stefanski would get my vote. I think he should win it. Peter, your thoughts? You know, I think it's really, really close right now. I don't think you can underestimate where what Ron Rivera has done, especially. I'm glad these votes are taken at the end of the year and not after 13 games. I think if Rivera and Washington win the NFC East with at least an 8-8 eight and eight record, I'd be inclined to vote for Rivera. But... I also I think Stefanski's good. I think McDermott is a great uh, candidate too. Yeah, it, I I think it's the hardest year ever. You know, at what point do we talk about Sean Payton and the fact that he wins without Drew Brees and just they're the number one seed or the number two seed every year? When does he get respect? You know, the other one I'll say to you guys too: How come Matt Lafleur never gets talked about in this conversation? You know, Mike McCarthy doesn't look all that shiny right now. Because he has right Aaron Rodgers. I know, but everybody, that was a negative when he got hired, but now it went good and everyone just goes, ah, so what? All right, it's a negative. I don't think they'll get along, and it's been awesome ever since, and everyone just goes, oh, well, so it was awesome. So so we doubted him, and he proved hey, us since wrong. Matt LaFleur, since Matt LaFleur got this job, only one coach in the NFL has a better record, and that's Andy Reid. That, that's where, I mean, it just he gets totally lost in the shuffle there. I, Mike, I agree with you. I probably would lean Stefanski too, but I think it's really, really close. And now let's not forget Brian Flores, what the, he did. If Ron Rivera would win it, that would be his third Coach of the Year award. The others who have won three or more, Bill Belichick, Chuck Knox, and Don Shula, the all-time leader, with four coach of the year awards all right guys great stuff today it was a lot of fun thanks peter thanks chris and thanks to you for giving us some of your time we see you tomorrow morning bright and early for another edition of pft live have a great day see ya teats and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.